Hi everyone and welcome to the PERMA podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to be with you all again and uh, I'm really excited today to welcome a new guest. It's always nice when you get a new guest on the show, uh, a new story to hear. Um, so another friend I met on, on Twitter, um, Megan Crozier, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, if you... I've, I've, we've, we've chatted on Twitter a lot. I've been in a few clubhouse events with you and uh, Discord as well <laughs> for quite a while. Um, so yeah, it's great to to be able to to hear your story. Um, what what what, do you, what is it you do? Kind of. So yeah, I have I have a job as a professor right now, so that's what I do by day, um, but. One thing that I've been doing in this faith deconstruction world is just um, kind of living authentically out loud on social media. So in Clubhouse, on Twitter, on Instagram, just kind of processing my evolving beliefs and things that I'm trying to unpack from what I used to believe and as I've kind of started to learn and grow into um, different areas in faith and spirituality. Hmm. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of it, and it's really great. And yeah, you've got a you've got a blog. I think you're starting a podcast soon as well, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, you're doing some great stuff. Um, so tell us. Let's kind of go back to the beginning, I guess. Tell us kind of your story, your your background, and kind of how this all began. Yeah. So. As most of us start our stories, I grew up pretty evangelical. Um, The denomination that I was part of was Evangelical Free and did all the things, went to youth group. I was definitely a rule follower. So I was a student leader in the youth group and then I went to a Christian college. And looking back, I got a lot of praise and attention for how much I lived out my faith at the time and just for following all the rules and doing all the right things and almost became a missionary and just had um, a very typical evangelical life. And then I think really what started my path towards deconstruction was later in life. So probably about a year ago, it was during the pandemic and I was writing a lot. I was reading a lot And I wrote through my story, um, I kind of call it 20 years from college to COVID and really started to come up against some things that as I reflected and looked back on, weren't, I started to have a different perspective. So um, things like purity culture, things like patriarchy and things that I just questioned and started to wonder about, um, complementarianism, and just started to realize, wow, there's a lot that happened or that I bought into that was really just an interpretation, somebody's interpretation that I was being fed. So I just started to kind of unpack that little by little. And I did a lot more reading, a lot more writing, and just kind of find myself now in the midst of that deconstruction journey, which I really believe will probably be ongoing um, for a very long time. I don't really see it as something that has a clear start and a clear end, but just kind of an evolving journey. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite recent for you then, this journey. 
um, relatively speaking, like, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, really, I wrote this, this book and it was really a, I called it a memoir of prayer and it had to do with when I was in college, I had a couple years where I prayed for an hour a day following this very particular format. And I kind of tried to follow the threads of those prayers over the following 20 years after that. And, um, so I, I think that really looking at those things and what we call answers to prayer and what we call blessings and and how it kind of ties into some things that are to- toxic positivity and and the prosperity gospel. And so I think I just really um, looking at that in detail started to unpack, hold on a second, this, this isn't what I thought it was. And I have different thoughts about that. And want to explore those thoughts so yeah it's very it's pretty and pretty recent in the last year or so wow that's incredible that's incredible so it was literally i mean so was there like one particular event or circumstance or just something which kind of started started things unraveling yeah i would say a couple things came together um I, during the pandemic, was attending a church online. It was a non-denominational megachurch, and I was watching it every week. Um, I was in a small group. I was taking notes. I had a file folder with all of my fill-in-the-blanks. And um, so I was watching that, and they did a really big series on race. Um, and, and it was they had traveled. It was almost like a docu series. They had traveled to Charleston, South Carolina, and Montgomery, Alabama, and and it was a really great series. But one of the things that came out of that was they were super clear that they wanted to separate how they viewed Black Lives Matter from um, the language that was part of the Black Lives Matter movement, as far as embracing um, the nuclear different versions of a nuclear family. And so I really wanted to dig into that, um, honoring the journey that decolonization that's definitely necessary as part of deconstruction, but also wanting to look at how the church treats the LGBTQ community. And so I started digging and I, I read Matthew Vine's book, God in the Gay Christian. And I started to, I watched a couple sermon series and I started to really understand what it meant to be non-affirming versus affirming and really what was being asked of the queer community in the church, which is basically um, celibacy for life or forcing yourself to deny your identity and and be in a heterosexual marriage. Or if you live into your identity, you're being um, you're going to be excluded from, quote unquote, the plan that God has for you. And so really, once I started to dig into that, I started to realize how harmful these preachings have been towards communities that I had not been part of. And I had just sat comfortably in these spaces, not realizing the harm that was being done. And so really, it just, it's just really started to unravel from there, I would say. Yeah, that seems to be an an issue which has triggered a lot of people's unravelings. Um, yeah, it, that, the world we live in now is thankfully more inclusive than it used to be. Um, and the damage that's being done to LGBTQ um, people and Christians um, is becoming more and more obvious. And so 
you know, when people see that, it doesn't quite fit with, you know, with something which talks about love and and, and justice and and inclusion, um, where everyone belongs. Yeah, and it just seems to be that kind of tipping point for a lot of people. Um, And I think the pandemic has heightened things as well. As well, we've seen different churches, different different sets of Christians respond to the pandemic in different ways. Um, like the U.S. Evangelical Church has responded in a very particular way, which you know has caused a lot of damage to a lot of people. Um, and of course, we had Donald Trump as well, and that was quite that was quite polarizing. So there's been a few things in the last few years which have really emphasised that that divide a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I would say one thing that I write and talk about a lot are, um, I think when Donald Trump was elected, it really made me start to think about what my deal breakers are and start to question what the deal breakers are of people around me. And so voting for someone that has been um, giving speeches that held a lot of racism and just were a very sexist and ableist and realizing that that is a deal breaker for me, but not for everyone. And so I started to dig in um, to, to try to figure out why, why people are still voting. And I, you know, there's a lot of people that would say they stood on the hill of abortion and pro-choice versus pro-life. And um, it, it's just mind-blowing to me um, what people will will want in versus what people say um, are not their deal breakers. And so I think that's one thing. But then the other piece I think is after January 6th, I started to see um, there, there have been some quote-unquote prophets, some Christians that had come out that had perpetuated this narrative that God had said or told them that Trump would still be president um, for this next election, even though he lost the election. And and the harm that that caused and in spreading that rhetoric, um, I feel like was not, it, it was not something that people recognized. And so January 6th happened on a Wednesday. And then on that Friday, some of these prophets came out and said, hey, we're sorry, we we got the prophecy wrong, but never really admitted their complicity in that entire narrative that's that spread the force of the movement for people to storm the Capitol. And so that's when I started to see Christians coming out of the woodwork to say, oh, wow, but you guys are so humble. You admitted that you were wrong and and that's that's such a brave bold step and I was like wait a second no this this is that the, they took one very small step and did not um, really own their complicity in this entire thing and so that's when I started to realize I couldn't listen to worship music from these organizations I couldn't buy into the the rhetoric from these organizations because it all felt so um it just felt so it's like such an indoctr- indoctrination. So, yeah, that's right. And I guess, uh, you know, and I'm probably a bit further down this journey than you, but, but once the, once, once you see, you can't unsee, right? Exactly. Once you kind of see things for what they are, then it's, you can't go back. Um, 
once the once the kind of the glasses are off when it comes to um, conservative American evangelicalism, uh, you you can't really look away. You can't really go back. You know, it's um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that was again another polarizing, another polarizing moment. Um, yeah, it's amazing that's that, and we're recording in. Um, mid to late October, um, and it was only what ten months ago, and yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it seems longer <laughs> in many ways. Like, but um, yeah, time has been a very weird during this pandemic, for sure. Um, so, how have your beliefs actually changed in the last kind of eighteen months? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think the biggest thing for me is I hold everything loosely. And so I kind of went from these evangelical spaces to calling myself a progressive Christian. And I yet I hold that quite loosely. And so there are times where I'll say, you know, maybe I'm an agnostic Christian. Um, And I think we used to be so afraid of those labels, but just understanding that agnostic just really means at the end of the day, we're, we're not sure. And I really can't see how anyone can say with certainty that they are sure that this is the one thing, the one uh, religion, the one way. And I, knowing that, I can't prescribe that to anyone. And so I really see it as a personal journey for me and not something that I I need to put on other people. And I think that's the biggest shift for me. And I, I kind of say that I went from um, knowing God and making God known to loving God and loving others. And I feel like my spiritual journey is just a personal exploration that I'm doing. And then I just try to love and see people in a new way. Hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It changes everything, doesn't it? Um, and it's been really interesting with all the, the, the all the discussions that have been we've been having, like on Twitter about purity culture and the kind of rebranding of purity culture, and it's been really interesting being part of that um, because uh, it's kind of how we connected as well. Um, yeah, how has your kind of what what surprised you about? that you hadn't seen before that you once you'd left kind of thing that you began to notice? Yeah, I think that one thing, you know, when, when it comes to specifically purity culture, I had had, um, I had a lot of healing around shame around my sexual history that I had to come to terms with. And just looking back at, the what the narratives that I bought into and now kind of reframing that to become much more sex positive um, and and learning so much. And even as I started this journey, I would say that it it was a progression for me. I hosted a clubhouse room on sex positivity and and we talked about um, one of the things that I said was, you know, I think hookup culture can be just as harmful as purity culture. And there was pushback on that. And I learned a lot about just having the bottom line be consent and communication. And and I really have moved away from um, having a, an opinion or judgment on how other people approach 
um, the topic of sex or engaging in sex. And so I think that has been a huge thing that I have deconstructed, unpacked, um, and all of the aspects around that about um, being told that I should wait for a spiritual leader to pursue me and, and all of these things. And then in the end, realizing that, you know, hey, I might be the spiritual leader in my relationship and that's that's okay and that's celebrated in my marriage. And so lots of different things around that to that I unpacked. But um, also I would say in that realm, just being able to share space with um, a diverse relationships and, and learning so much from friends that are, um, have open marriages and, and the ways in which people, um, have conversations about boundaries and expectations Mm -hmm. in ways that monogamous couples don't always do. And so it's really opened Mm -hmm. my eyes to different ways of doing life and knowing, you know, maybe one approach might not be for me, but there's so much I can learn from other approaches in, in other relationships, partnerships, and, so I don't know if if that was the direction your question was going, but when it comes to purity culture, that's kind of where my head has been lately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that resonates. I mean, that was that sounds that's kind of in my journey, but I'm kind of over a long. I've I've done that journey over a few years, around rather than just kind of the last eighteen months. But that that definitely has been a similar journey, like. Having my having my mind open to different different things. I mean, it happened for me as far back as twenty or twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. It began because I I inadvertently made a polyamorous friend, and that began opening up my perspective on you know. Uh, I mean, I was already I was already LGBTQI affirming, um, but but in terms of other forms of other forms of relationship, other forms of sexuality outside of um lgbtqi and and you know and and heterosexual uh relationships um yeah that's kind of where that began it's kind of just been an evolving thing ever since it really is um it really is quite amazing when you when you learn uh, about all these different perspectives and and how, how healthy some of them can be like it's yeah um, i think it's a uh... Oh, I was just going to add on. I think one thing that I've learned too is that in some ways um, there are people that are excluded not just from church, but from, I would say, quote unquote, societal norms. And so I think um, learning and digging into um, ethical non-monogamy and, and friends that have open marriages, I've realized it's not it's not just the church that sometimes they're excluded from. It's um, going to school and having kids, teachers kind of have a lot of questions or things to say about their family structure and things like that. And so that also has been eye-opening for me that um, there's there's other ways in society that harm can come to people by um, being exclusive or not really seeing what um, somebody's – or valuing somebody's lifestyle or structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Culturally, yeah, they're, um, they're still – not as much understanding, um, you're not just the religious kind of con- context. Yeah, you're right. Um, and it's a, like a, like you say, it's a daily journey. It's an ongoing journey of learning and unlearning. Um, the whole this whole process is um, um, for sure. Um, so, how did this kind of this? How has this journey kind of 
change your day-to-day life? Like, how is how does your life look different now than it did a couple of years ago? Well, ah, that's a great question. Um, so I think first, the first thing that brought me into this space was becoming a writer and really calling myself a writer. And I had written this book and I was trying to figure out, am I going to try to publish this book? And once I started deconstructing and realizing like, wow, that that book was very evangelical and, and ended with a really nice, neat bow tie at the end. And it was not something I wanted to put out in the world. But yet I had kind of broken into this space where I had a voice. And so that has built this community and connected me with folks that are um, just all over the world in this deconstruction world um, and just a diverse group of wonderful people. And so we're on Twitter together, we're in Discord together, we and we hold space for each other. And sometimes I'll meet some of those folks in real life and it's really amazing and authentic. And um, so I think that's one piece that I've um, built a lot of new connections and new community. And I think the other piece, just more personal, is as I've deconstructed things like patriarchy and become, I would say, more feminist or more aware um, and the the blinders have come away um, and looked into, you know, dug into decolonization and things like that. It's, it's really changed what I do and what I value with my time and with my family. And so I think, um, my husband, man, he's been great. He's been on board with this journey. He did not grow up the same as me. Um, so he didn't have as much to deconstruct, but he has been, um, a huge cheerleader for me on this journey and very supportive. And, um, yeah, so it's just it's I guess it's changed the conversations that I have in my personal relationships and the way that I approach those relationships and the activities I choose to get involved in. So, yeah. And in terms of kind of your spirituality and how that has evolved, how how do you express your spirituality now as opposed to before? I mean, what do you are you part of a spiritual community, like a physical spiritual community, or has how has that how has that all kind of changed? I am so I always um, I have some really good friends that are progressive Christian and and grew up in mainline denominations where they weren't deconstructing from evangelicalism, and I always love the wisdom that I see there in their liberation theology and. And all of that. And so that's been really helpful. But yes, I am part of a progressive faith community in Portland. And um, I go to their, they, they do meet in person right now with masks on. Um, they do have a virtual streaming service. And I'll never forget the first time I sat down with the pastor for like a coffee chat on Zoom. And I said, you know, I'm full blown in deconstruction right now. And I'm a writer. And he immediately said, I would love for you to write for our church newsletter. And so it's a it's a community that's open and affirming and inclusive and really just supports everyone on their journeys. And so they asked me to um, lead a panel recently. And it was everybody's different spiritual journeys. And it was a Sunday morning. And just hearing some people say, you know, I've been on this journey and I've walked away. And they're up on the stage in front on in front of everyone on Sunday mornings and nobody's trying to say or script what their journey should look like. And everybody's just embracing um, 
I guess like what I always say is it's always nice to meet a fellow traveler. And I, I see that at this community, at this church. And so um, there's no pressure to show up every Sunday morning and check off all of the lists. And, and so there's a lot of space held for everyone on their journey. So um, yeah, I, I am part of a community. Again, I hold it loosely as I evolve, but that's where I'm at today. Yeah. And that's right. That's really great that you've been able to find a different community to that's open to your journey. And I, I just love how like all the way through this conversation you've been saying about holding things loosely. I think that's really, really important, you know, because one of the things about the spiritual journey is changing, not just changing what you believe, but changing how you hold your beliefs and, you know, and I always talked about on this podcast and on social media and other places that we need to hold our beliefs loosely. We need to have open hands in terms of what we believe and and our spiritual journey and where we're going because it allows us to move and grow and change and be open to different things and to new perspectives and new thing and new ideas and new ways of seeing things. Um, and you know to and it, it frees us to grow more easily um and uh to let go of things more easily and to embrace new things more easily and so you know hearing that you you that you're doing that that this is how you're approaching your journey is really really encouraging it's really really positive yeah and i would say you know for so long we were raised or I don't know if your experience was similar, but I was raised to really believe with certainty and not let any doubt creep up. Um, and, and really raised to believe that any of that doubt was not from God. It was from the other side. And now I think that even in evangelical spaces, they're starting to see people deconstruct. And so they're saying, Oh, well, you know, doubt is okay, but really just bring it back to church and, and bring it here and and then make sure you land back within the faith that we're prescribing. And so having things in your life that you're told are not okay um, and that you should stay away from and these authors, these books, these movies, these TV shows um, that could, I guess, quote unquote, corrupt us. Um, and now just digging in and, and allowing myself to think fully for myself. Um, there's a lot of freedom in that. And and really knowing that you as a human have inherent value and your thoughts and your journey is valid and affirmed. I think there's there's so much freedom in that. And then there's an ability to take that and, and affirm the journeys of others. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. You, that's one thing that I've learned is that, you know, I'm, I'm at a different point in my in my spiritual journey um, than on other people. And uh, and that's okay that, you know, that we're all at different points on on our own journeys and it's okay to be where we are. Um, and we can encourage and support and love each other wherever that person is. And, um, and that's a really great thing. And it is, I mean, I guess for me, like it's, it's, it can be quite beautiful seeing people where I was, knowing that they're going 
knowing that they're going where, where they're going to be going <laughs> a little bit, like um, how great that is. Um, although every single journey is different. I mean, every journey is different and there's no single destination. There's no, yeah, every journey ends up in a different place, you know, um, but it's kind of encouraging to know other people are kind of on the right path, I guess, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would I would agree with that. And I would say, you know, there's been times where I've pushed back on I, I my atheist friends, my agnostic friends hold so much space for me and they're amazing. And there's times where I'll push back if because I think on both sides, you can see the journey scripted. And I think occasionally I'll come across something that says um, unless you've walked away from faith altogether, you haven't deconstructed all the way or the right way. And so as you're saying, one of the things that I like to constantly come back to is um, it's not it's not a scripted journey and everybody's path is going to look different and some people might land within the faith and some people might not and some people might land there for a little while and some people might stay there and and so I think it's it's really about um, again going back to holding it loosely because I've also seen people that say you know I've deconstructed and now I don't understand why, I'm not embraced by the deconstruction community. And I think it's that that term deconstructed that a lot of people could be weary, leery of and, and just kind of wonder, okay, so you're saying you've figured it out now. And I think none of us would be willing to say we've completely figured it out and we're all on this journey, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's right. And yeah, deconstructed as in past tense, as in I'm done and finished. Um, and at the end of this process, and that's probably not a healthy perspective because <laughs> you think you just journey from one certainty to another, and that's exactly that's, that's kind of missing the point. Um, my my kind of experience is that the deconstruction is literally is is one part of the journey, and it's like um, it's not the whole journey; it's a part of the journey, and um kind of that's why i call it the spiritual journey more than the kind of deconstruction journey uh and that's not because i don't like the not because i don't value the term or people who use it it's more that my journey has kind of gone beyond just just kind of deconstructing things you know and so it, that more aptly describes where i am i guess and and like i say like you say it's different for every single person so some people deconstruction is an absolute is you know absolutely describes where they are and um and it is an important phrase you know it's it's um an important term to describe people's lived experiences um and more and more people are going through that process now and you know if you spend time on social media you can see that there's loads more people who are now going going through that journey and it's important that you know, we have people like you and, and you know, um, who are, you know, standing with them and, and living that with them. Yeah, and I, I would say it's okay if, if you don't love the term deconstruction either. So Because <laughs> it's it's kind of, I would say if there's a deconstruction bingo card, somebody saying they don't love the word deconstruction would, would be definitely be on it. Um, but... <laughs> And I think I think part of it is because there's no nuance for it. Everybody, you know, somebody brought that up recently. There's not nuance in the term. And so it's hard to say everybody in this community is part of deconstruction when everybody's journey looks so different. Um, but yeah, we don't have another way to describe it right now. But I think the other piece 
that, and maybe this is related to what you were talking about. Maybe not. I don't know. But I was recently talking to someone who was, who was kind of like, you know, I'm in this deconstruction space, but I'm kind of tired of talking about deconstruction all the time. And I don't know what my role is in the deconstruction community. And as we talked back and forth, I thought, you know, I may be in this space and just be part of it and not always talk about deconstruction. But what I love fiercely about this space is that I can if I want and I don't have to. And there's nobody that this is a safe space for me. I know that in that deconstruction community, it's a safe space for me because there's nobody that's going to hold judgment over what I believe or where I'm at or or how I'm questioning things or how I'm evolving. And so whether we're sitting here having conversations about faith, spirituality, heaven, hell, all of it or not, I know that these are my people. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Ultimately, it's about communities and having people who are on a similar journey who who see you and value you and value your journey and will support you in that and we all need community um however we can find it right now especially with the pandemic and and things and making it more difficult to meet in person um yeah yeah and so it's just yeah and it's we don't all have to be in the same place you can have community with people who are not in the same place as you and that you know and that's what i've i've discovered that a lot and that's a really good thing and a really healthy thing um not only because you can be around different people who are not exactly like you um but also because um because it opens your perspectives up and it, it helps you to understand and learn and unlearn things um by watching other people go through their process, it teaches you something. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's a really great thing when when you're able to have people who are, you know, have different perspectives, maybe even different labels for their spiritual journey in community with each other and, um, yeah, supporting each other. Yeah, and I would say, you know, uh, whenever I learn things on Twitter and social media in in this community, I always know that there are people that are taking a risk to share because often what I'm learning is something about somebody that comes from a place of deep hurt that has happened in their past and they're sharing wisdom and insight that they've gained from um, coming out of that and healing from that. And so I also recognize that it's work for people to put themselves out there and to really share. And and in order to be seen, there's a lot of vulnerability that has to happen um, to allow yourself to be seen. And so there's a huge risk involved. And so I, I hold that with a lot of care because I, I recognize that it's not easy to put yourself out there and, and to take that risk. And so I think that's, and I, and I see people doing that with me as well in this space. And so I think that's what forges that tight community that we have where we really just um, hold space for each other, knowing that um, everybody's path has, has been different and nobody's, um, path is better or worse but just we're all kind of here together and honoring each other's journeys absolutely absolutely yeah um and what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in the last 18 months or so the kind of big yeah the big thing that you've that you've learned and that 
where your perspective has changed? Wow. Um, <laughs> that, that answer to that question might change daily. We'll see. But I would say just thinking about it right now, um, one thing that I feel like I've taken away from all of this is that I don't owe anyone a label. I don't owe anyone an explanation. I don't owe anyone any of that, but this is a journey that I'm doing for me. And um, I have loved the folks that have come alongside and supported that. Um, but there are times where I have boundaries around who I share with, who I talk to about it. Um, and just for wanting to, um, again, not put myself out there in situations where I know my space won't be held. And so I think um, just knowing that it's okay to have this be my journey and I'm not answering to someone else's, someone else's version of what that needs to look like, but um, it's it's for me and what I believe is right. Hmm. That's powerful. That really is powerful. And that's important as well. Um, yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And, and I guess the thing I'd like to finish on is like, what word of hope or encouragement would you want to send out to people who are, on this journey and maybe at the beginning of this journey, maybe at a different point to the journey than, than you are uh, who are kind of starting out, what would you want to say as an encouragement or, uh, or hope for these people, for those people? I think um, the first thing that comes to mind is that there's freedom in the authenticity. We talked a little bit about that. I know when I started on this journey, I had someone say to me, well, actually I, I said I met with my pastor on Zoom and I told him I was deconstructing and he said, um, be kind to yourself in this process. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he meant. But once I started to wade through some of the grief that was part of it, I realized that um, it's not always an easy journey. So I would say um, there's freedom in the authenticity, but also, um, yeah, be kind to yourself. Yeah, I, I would echo that as well. Yeah, um, because the whole journey is a lot of unlearning and there's some discomfort along the way and um, it can be challenging and unsettling sometimes. But um, yeah, have grace with yourself and love love yourself well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I love that. Um, thank you, Megan. Um, so where can people... Um, connect with you online? Um, yeah, so I'm at The Pursuing Life on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, I do have a blog, thepursuinglife.com. Um, I update it sometimes. And Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a great place for us to connect, talk. Um, we do rooms on Tuesday mornings and Thursday nights in the U.S. It's different times for different countries and time zones. But um, – Twitter's mostly my jam. So if you're looking to find where I'm at, find me on Twitter, open to DMs and all of it. So fantastic. And I would definitely take Megan up on that. She is really great when on Twitter and she has a lot of great stuff. And yeah. So thank you, Megan, for coming on. And uh, 
do connect with me again, everybody. And, uh, and thanks for listening.